Hello. Hello? Hey. Hi, everybody. How's it going? I was a little scared there because Clint jokes like I joke. <laughs> and so when he stayed up there, I was a little, it's like, what's Clint going to do? But those are really nice things to say. Thanks, Clint. <laughs> ah, okay. Let's pray. Lord, as was said in worship and was said earlier, God, we say yes to what you're doing this morning. I know I'm not bringing anything new. And I know, God, I'm not doing anything by your grace, not anything different than you're doing. So, God, we just say yes this morning. Continue the work that you started in us from before even the world began. But even this morning, Lord, continue that work. Touch our hearts, I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, my name is Kurt Schnabel. Schnabel, yeah, German. Funny, funny last name. My name is Kurt Schnabel, one of the pastors here. And I'm just so excited to see all of you. Uh, this morning, I'm going to continue a tradition that I grew up in a pastor's home. Uh, I'm actually, from my mom's side, like fourth generation minister. And uh, I discovered in a pastor's home, uh, you can expect to hear at least eight out of ten times your dad preaches, you're going to be in that sermon. A pastor's kid is generally in the sermon at some point, and I'm going to keep that tradition going this morning. Yeah, Jamie's nodding her head. <laughs> Any other pastor's kids want to say amen to that? Yeah, we were there. And look, we still love Jesus, by the way. Okay, anyways. Um, I want to keep that tradition up this morning. I'm going to tell you a couple stories about Emma. And I know she's not my, but I have no kids. So we're just going to pick the, the Turner kids because they're awesome and we love them. Uh, first story is just for fun. I don't know if you heard, but the other day I was at the Turner's house. And I was just kind of like chilling on the couch. I was talking to Dave. And Emma all of a sudden turns to me and lays her hand on my stomach and says, you have a baby in there? And I was like, No. And then I'm looking, I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> so thankfully the Turners are helping me get back to the gym. Um, I mean, I used to run with Dave, and now Emma's making me feel self-conscious. Um, but Dave told me a story the other day about he was, uh, you know, Emma was, her legs, she was having groin pains or something. Her legs were hurting. And uh, instead of just saying, my legs are hurting, she goes to Dad and she says, Dad, I need doctor. I need doctor. And Dave, you know, what she was describing, knew it wasn't like call 911 right away and stuff, because I believe he would have done that. But, you know, she's two, and she's like, Dad, I need doctor. He's like, well, why don't we ask Jesus? Jesus is a good doctor. Why don't we, why don't we ask Jesus? And she's like, mm, no, I want doctor. And Dave, Dave tries again. You know, Emma, Jesus is the best doctor. Jesus is a good doctor. Why don't we ask Jesus to heal your legs? She's like, mm, okay. You know, they pray, and then she goes off playing like kids do. The attention span just, woo. And I heard that story, and I thought to myself, that's really telling of, I think, how we a lot of times can put God into boxes. Um, most of us, if you've walked with Jesus, you have faith in God that he saves you. You maybe have faith that he helps you in finances or helps you in one area, or that God will give you breakthrough to be a witness to the lost or just whatever, but... There's so many things in our walk where we put God in a box and we say, God, you're faithful here, but I don't know if you're faithful here. And this morning, I want to talk about physical healing. I want to talk about the fact that God is faithful not only to heal us emotionally, not only to heal us spiritually, but to heal us in our bodies. Um, yeah, Dave made a cool slide. Isn't Dave good? All of our, most of our graphics is him. Um, but we're calling this series this morning, Jesus MD. 
And we're not just doing this because it's, it's a nice idea and, you know, it, it's very topical. Jesus talked about healing at different points. You pray for people to get healed. But we really feel like the Lord has put this on our hearts. One, so you can believe for yourself. And then two, so you can believe for other people. And I think we as Americans, it's really easy for us many times to say, uh, I, don't know if, I don't know if God can really do that, but I really do believe he can make me feel better. Oh, I really do believe God's going to get me to heaven. But a lot of times we're like Emma. I was like, uh, you know, I'll go to the doctor or I'll, I'll throw up a quick prayer or whatever. But to actually believe God for your healing is very biblical. It's very sound. And I'm telling you right now, you have to trust something for your body. You have to trust your wisdom. You have to trust the doctor. You have to trust God or some, something or someone. And this morning, I'm going to tell you, you can trust the Lord. I thought it was really interesting that Jesse... Um, had that picture about um, the promised land. And I'm just going to read you a quick uh, reference. I wasn't going to actually bring this up, but based on what the Lord was saying earlier. Let me read you a quick reference in Deuteronomy 7.15. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have known, but will lay them on all those who hate you. Let me read that again. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have known, but will lay them on all those who hate you. Again, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. seen on the hate part right now. But see that. God promised the children of Israel that if they would trust him in life, they would be in perfect health. And do you realize that in Hebrews it says we have a better covenant? How do you have inferior blessing in a better covenant? You don't. You have superior blessing. In a better covenant. But this is not just an Old Testament thing. This is really, this is the heart of God. We've been talking about the gospel with power. That was the last series we just did. We talked about how Jesus came preaching a message. He was on mission. He was on mission to see the world come to God. Save the world. And he had a message. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Mark 1.17 says, um, Jesus cries out, repent and believe the kingdom of God is near. It's at hand. It means literally that God's rule and reign is available now. If you choose to repent, think different, and believe and trust me, you can experience that now. And ultimately, the greatest treasure of the kingdom is that we get close to God, that we get connected with him. But if you notice, Jesus didn't stop there. It said, and we referenced this the last couple messages, but it said that Jesus in Matthew 4, Matthew 9, in other passages, it said that when he went around... He taught, he preached, and he healed. Why? Because he wasn't just coming with a mission, on a mission with a message. He came with a particular method. And the method was, I'm not going to just tell you about the kingdom. Let me, you know, it's kind of like, let me sell you something, but never let me demonstrate. You know, he said, I'm going to let you know that God is good, and then say, if you want that now, you can have and experience the goodness of God. So we're going to talk about it in a specific vein this day. And again, we don't have anything. By the way, God... Uses doctors. We love medicine. God heals through doctors. But we just say, you know, if God can heal me immediately, which he can, and if God desires to heal me, why not? Why can't I just receive that? And when I was thinking about the particular emphasis I felt like the Lord wanted me to take, I thought about sports. I'm not much of a sport. How many of you like watching sports, at least occasionally? Anybody? How many of you are like diehard sports fans and you have a team that you like follow pretty okay? 
I'm one of those like occasional sports guys. I enjoy a game, but uh, I'm not a diehard. I live with some diehard people. And so I know, I know what diehard looks like, and I'm like, I'm not that. And when you're just a observer like me, you like watching close games. You like, like watching games that are really, um, that are entertaining. Because a close game has a lot of ups and downs and keeps you by the edge of your seat. I mean, I remember the last Super Bowl, and I, I think the Patriots in it. I can't remember the teams. I'm sorry. The Patriots were in it. And I remember watching, I actually watched the whole Super Bowl probably the first time. And it was exciting because it went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And the last team like barely won in the last few minutes. Again, I don't remember all the details, but I just remember it was a close game. And I was like, this is the best Super Bowl ever. Like, you know, it's enjoyable game. There were lots of food. It was a good time. Now, I was at the Pena house and Alex Pena was freaking out because Alex loves the Patriots. And if you root for a team, if your heart's for a particular group, you hate close games. Because just as your team's going up, your emotion's going up. But just as your team's going down, your emotion's going down. And this kid was all over the place. And he was a <laughs> poor guy. And, and he was a lot like, you know, I, I joke when I watch Deb watch USC because she's a big USC fan. And at least from a lot of the games I remember, USC, you know, has dominated a lot of times. Not all the time. <laughs> I personally like the Oregon Ducks, but, you know. Um, USC dominates most of the time in college football. And I tell them, I'm like, this game's boring. It's like 54 to 7. Why do I, you know, I, I left and you were still winning. I, you know, I went to the bathroom. I came back, you know, why do I even need to watch the game? It's because I don't really have a vested interest in it. Where she, because she has a vested interest, domination is good. Domination is fun. And then when it's your team, you just love dominating. And I just have to think about when I'm playing my brother's games I love dominating. So I understand that. I just don't, I'm not totally the sports, watching the sports thing. I bring all that up to say that when we talk about healing, you have to see it in a particular context. There's a particular context that Jesus talked about when he talked about healing. There's a particular context that the apostles did. And for that, um, turn to Acts 10:38, or um, you can see it on the screen. This is Peter describing the ministry of Jesus. It said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Read that again. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. For God was with him. Whenever Jesus healed someone, delivered someone, preached, taught the kingdom, it was in the context of warfare. Because he knew that we had abdicated, abdicated our authority on the earth to the demonic realm, whether we realized it or not. That the kingdom of darkness actually had reign over our lives before we knew Christ. And that the Bible says in multiple places that when you came to know the Lord... He snatched you out of the kingdom of darkness and he put you in the kingdom of his son. That, that's not just heaven. That means you literally are not, you were no longer under the rule of God and you had none of those effects. And now you're under the rule of God as a believer and you can experience the effects of the rule of God. I, I like to, I said it a couple weeks ago that just imagine, it's like saying you get to experience the condition of heaven. It's what Jesus prayed. Your kingdom come, your will be done 
on earth that it is in heaven. So when Jesus says the kingdom of God's at hand, he's saying the condition of heaven is available now. And what's in heaven? There's connection with God. That's available now. What's in heaven? There's no demons oppressing people. That's available now. What's in heaven? There's no sickness in heaven. And so what's he saying? That's available now. Again, I'm not just going to tell you about it, Jesus said. I'm actually going to let you experience it. Because I hate demons and I hate sickness and so did Jesus. Because what does it say? He healed all who were oppressed of the devil. But the reason I bring up the sports analogy while I'm talking about healing is for many of us, I feel like the Lord would say that we, we look at healing and we see it as a close game. We see God, you know, I don't know how to describe it. We see God like knuckle to knuckle, head to head. Like he's, you know, it's yin and yang. It's, he's the perfect opposite. Like God is the perfect opposite of the devil. That's how we see it. And we see it like this wrestling match that, you know, God is wrestling with the devil. And if you watch TV, and I don't recommend some of these shows, but if you ever watch any movie or show about, that talk about spiritual warfare, mostly it's not from a Christian perspective, but they have angels and demons and the demons are fighting the angels and there's humans and they have a lot of weird shows now. But um, it's always a close match. And always the good guys barely come through in the last few minutes of the show. It's, and a lot of times, God is very weak. Like, I, I've had friends tell me about movies where, um, where, where God is almost either weak or, or, or passive. And it's just this human who cares. And he kind of rallies God behind, okay, come on, God, let's save mankind again. And God's like, okay. And they go in and, um, you know, at the very last, the demons get whooped. But why? Because it's entertainment. We want to see a close game. The people who made it have no vested interest because they don't really believe in that stuff a lot of times. Now, some do. (laughs) But you have to know that when we talk about physical healing, when we talk about spiritual warfare, when we talk about the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness, there is no competition. There is straight-up dominance. God squishes the devil every time. Like, he doesn't even break a sweat. Like, God could literally speak and he would be gone. You're like, why, why isn't he? That's, that's a whole other message. I probably just opened a can of worms there. God doesn't abide all evil because he wants people to come to know him. And some people have aligned themselves with evil, so he's trying to change their hearts. It's a quick, brief statement, explanation. But you have to understand that when we talk about healing, you have to know God is totally capable. God is totally in charge. God totally can. God totally wants to. And it's not a close game at all. And why am I saying this? Because I feel like the Lord wants to address sometimes that when we pray for people, when we come up for prayer for healing, we come and we're almost like, I'm not sure if you want to do this, God. Or, man, I feel like we really have to struggle. We're really going to have to contend for this. There's a, okay. I understand sometimes in spiritual warfare there's a contending, but you have to know, for God, healing is a cinch. And I want to show you that in Scripture. There's a, there's a great phrase in uh, Luke 11. <laughs> Jesus says, But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. If I cast out demons by the finger of God, what's he saying? God, in the least effort possible, flicks, barely flicks his little finger, and he vanquishes all his foes. Like, guys, I'm, I'm flicking, and the demon runs. 
screams. Like, you read any of the accounts, we're going to do that. There was no effort on God's part to heal anybody. There was none. And Jesus, I talked about a couple weeks ago, didn't heal anybody by his own power. He decided to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. He limited himself as a man so he could show us what limited man can do when we're connected with an unlimited God. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, as it said in Acts 10, 38, Jesus showed us it was no effort. The phrase the Lord gave me was like, he did it with just a touch. And we're going to look at that. Turn to Mark 1, 40 through 45. Thanks, John. Mark 1, 40 through 45. Now, a leper came to Jesus, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, touched him, and said to him, I am willing, be cleaned. As soon as he spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. These guys were bandaged up usually, partly because when you had leprosy, your ligaments just started falling off. Like, this is something that would eat your skin. You look terrible. It's a terrible thing. Be healed. It's all gone. Every tissue is made new. Every ounce of that sickness is out of his body. Everything that was afflicting him is no longer there. Why? Because he said, Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, in the, in the least effort possible. Now, I think he was focused on the guy. Don't, don't make me. But Jesus could have almost been like, here you go. Boom. Just, he got healed with a touch. No effort on God's part. No effort on Jesus' part. Totally vanquished the disease. Look with me at Matthew 9. Matthew 9, 27 through 31. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. Which, I love that phrase, by the way. One, because when they say that, mercy means, I don't deserve what I'm asking for. But Jesus, I believe in your heart that even though I don't deserve this, I can get this from you. Just key on that. They don't feel like they deserve this, but they're still asking God, I believe you're merciful. So whether I deserve this or not, can you give it to me? They were already, he wanted to. In verse 28, it says, And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. Touched and said something. I mean, how much effort is that? I... I touch things all day, like playing the bass. Like, how much effort is it to touch something if you can move? Not, it's no effort. How hard is it to speak if, you know, you have the ability to speak? No effort. What? This was really easy for Jesus. And catch this, he was healing two people at the same time. Sometimes, you know, we get a really, you know, if I had two blind men come to me, okay, two, okay, at the same, okay, God, like, no effort. None. We put God in so many boxes. God, there's so many reasons this is now harder or not as hard as before. And Jesus is like, this is way easy for me. Two people. Just like that. This is so easy for Jesus that if you look in Luke 8, 42 through 48. Luke 8, 42 through 48. I read this story a couple weeks ago, but it's worth repeating. Oh, starting in verse 43, my bad. 
Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him, and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This lady was so embarrassed by her condition, it actually made her ceremonially, religiously unclean in that society. I mean, when you were unclean, you weren't supposed to be touching anybody because if they touched you, they became unclean and had to do a ceremony so they could be clean again to get in the mess. People, you're unclean. But she's like, I'm so embarrassed about this that I don't want him to know, but I think if I, if I just touch him, he'll heal me. Without Jesus knowing, because Jesus chose not to know everything when he was on earth. Didn't get that. Listen to the message a couple weeks ago or even last week. Jesus decided not to know everything. So power went out, and they're like, Jesus like, someone touched me. And a bunch of people touched him. But you see, her touch came with faith to say, I'm touching you because I'm coming for something. You see, faith, and I, I told the youth a couple weeks ago, hunger, hunger draws something. Not, manip- not manipulates God, but when you believe he can, the Bible says that pleases him because he not only can, but he wants to. But sometimes the one inhibited by our belief that he either can or he wants to, either or. But I'm trying, to, I'm trying to show you that for Jesus, this was so effortless. It happened even when he wasn't paying attention. Like, how easy is that? I mean, I would love, I mean, I, I love, I, the Lord has blessed me and caused me to be around people who build my faith so much that I, I love praying for the sick. I love seeing God heal people. Not everyone I've prayed for has been healed, but many people have. And I, I just love it. I, I love seeing someone being made whole emotionally, spiritually, but physically because it really boggles our mind in this culture. And um, I would love it if someone just bumped into me and like, I'm better now. I mean, Peter, actually, his shadow healed some people. He was walking in the book of Acts. He's walking by, and his shadow gets cast on people. I mean, how much effort is that? Um, I'm going to walk by. Just stand right there, and, you know, there's no effort. Why? Because there's no effort on God's part. I want to not only show you that it was easy for Jesus, but Jesus was very calm, which is a sign that he was very convinced. Again, Jesus chose not to know everything, chose to rely on the Father. So Jesus is trusting God which is really similar, really, what we do when we have faith. And Jesus has a lot of trust in the Father that the Father's going to do what he said. Jesus said earlier in the Gospels that he was anointed to free captives, to um, give sight to the blind. Turn with me to Mark 9. I love this story. I love all the stories about Jesus, but what I want to talk about this morning, this is exciting. Because we're not only going to hell but we're going to show it so anyways verse 14 and when he came to the disciples he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them Nine fourteen. immediately when they saw him all the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeted him and he asked the scribes what are you discussing with them then one of the crowd answered and said teacher i brought you my son who has a mute spirit Wherever it seizes him, it throws him down 
He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and become rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Sickness is a result of living in a sinful world. But the Bible actually says there are some diseases that specifically are rooted to demonic spirits. None of it's from God, but Jesus at times commanded, a, you know, he said, be healed. He spoke to the disease. He spoke to the, the person's body. And other times he's like, there's a demon and you need to get out. And this kid had a demon tormenting him that kept him from speaking. So he needs a healing. He needs a deliverance, but he needs a healing. And I love this phrase. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. In verse 19, he says, he answered and answered him and said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. What's he saying? I don't care how many people prayed for him before. I have faith God's going to do this. I don't care the, the track record about who got healed or who didn't get healed. I believe God is with me. I don't care if my disciples could do it or not. Bring him to me and he will get healed. Do you see what Jesus' confidence here? He's not thrown off by past history. He's not thrown off by success rates. You know, nine out of fevers we pray for get healed, but only two out of three cancer conditions, you know, Jesus didn't, Jesus was like, I don't care your success rate. Bring them to me and they will get healed. Something to Something to note there. I think you're catching it. In verse 20, Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So we asked his father. Now, again, catch this picture. They bring this poor kid, and all of a sudden the demon starts manifesting, falls on the floor, he's seizing, he's foaming at the mouth. Okay, if that started happening... I might start freaking out a little bit. I might start trying to hold the kid down, yell at the demon, call 911. Like, I might start just... His condition and what he's doing right now might cause me to react to him. But what does Jesus do? He turns to the dad. Guess this. He doesn't care what the devil's doing. He really doesn't. Jesus does not react to demonic spirits. He doesn't react to sickness. He says, I only do what I hear the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. I don't need, okay, the Bible says don't be, um, don't be ignorant of the devil's schemes. At the same time, I don't react to them. I, it matters more to me what God is doing in the world than the devil. It really does not take much discernment to perceive evil. It takes a gift of God to see what God's doing. And what's Jesus? I'm not going to react to this. I'm going to deal with, how, deal with this the way I feel like God wants me to deal with this. So he turns. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's almost comical. He's like, all right, I'll get, I'll get to you in a second. And then he, but he doesn't even say anything. He just turns to the dad. So he asks his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown them both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on, on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, let me read you how it says it in some translations, and I'll read what it says on mine. Actually, I'm not sure. Sh- yeah. All right. Well, this says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Some translations actually perceive a sarcasm here. 
And Jesus, in response to the guy saying, if you can, Jesus in turn says, if you can, all things are possible to those who believe. He calls, he basically calls the guy out and says, wait a minute, you got to trust that I can do this. And I love the guy's response because if the guy can say this and still have his breakthrough, praise the Lord, I can still have my breakthrough, okay? In verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And note the compassion of Jesus here in verse 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he perceives the crowd. He's like, all right, let's stop embarrassing this boy. People are coming. Let's deal with this now. He rebuked the unclean spirit and said to him, deaf and dumb spirit. Oh, so he's deaf too. Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Again, effortless for Jesus. Effortless. But this next part cracks me up. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead. So that many said, he is dead. Ever pray for someone and they get worse? I have. You ever pray for someone and the breakthrough you thought you were believing for? I mean, you don't heal someone when they're dead. You have to raise them from the dead. You're, I'm no longer believing for a healing. I'm believing for another miracle at the very least. I mean, has anyone ever prayed and the thing you prayed for physically something else got worse? And how many of you have had other people giving, give you their loving advice? He's dead. Oh man, I need some hope now. He's dead. Like, how many of you have ever prayed and everyone around you is telling you, bro, I don't think the Lord wants this. Friend, I, I just, I, I think, you know, we know the will of God based on what happens and look at what happened. You prayed and God probably didn't want it. I mean, I love Jesus here. Because in verse 27, it says, but Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up and he rose. I'm going to ignore all the other voices around me. I don't care what just happened after I prayed. I believe God's word. He believed what the father said. Because the father had already told him he could do this. And Jesus says anything he did, by the way, even the specifics, we know that the father gave him those instructions. So Jesus isn't phased. He's dead. He looks dead. What did Jesus do? I'll help him up. When people say you're dead, you probably look like there's no life in you. There's no, there's no warmth in your, you know, you look dead. That's, Jesus knows. He, he's calm. He's cool. He's like, whoop, and picks him up. Why do I bring all this up? Because we can be that confident. I'll admit it. I'm not totally there yet, guys. God's building my faith. But I'm telling you, man, I'm getting, the Lord is messing with me. <laughs> because the Lord is messing with me because I've seen the goodness of God in the land of the living, like David said. And I know now he can. And so the question then becomes, what do I expect? What do I expect God to do? Let me share with you a few stories. Um, one time... We were at Through the Roof. If you don't know, we have a Bible study on Thursday nights through the roof. Ha-ha, you're listening to Friday nights. Not that I did that on purpose or anything. Um, so I, I've, I've learned that if you want to hear God, God will speak to you. 
And if you want to hear him more, learn to act upon what he says. So I've discovered that I just need to take risks. I hate to tell you that, but I really don't. Because if you want to hear God, you say, God, speak to me. You read his word, you spend time with him, and God will speak to you. But be prepared, because he actually expects you to do what he says. He will help you. He'll give you strength. But he actually expects you to do what he said. So um, I say all that to say, at Through the Roof, I'd gotten pretty used to just waiting upon the Lord to say, God, is there a prophetic word you want me to give someone? Is there something you want me to pray for? And I've learned, if he gives me nothing, cool. I can just enjoy Jesus. But when he gives me something, I, I should act upon it. I mean, I did ask for it. <laughs> and by the way, the other person is healing. So I had heard before that night, if you know any of you know Courtney, um, Dave talked about her husband last week, Rich. But Courtney was at Through the Roof that night. And um, Slater, her son, I found out wasn't feeling well. Totally forgot about it. You know, oh, Slater's not doing well here beforehand. Oh, that's, that's a bummer. Totally left my mind. Right about as we're about to end, I had this sense, as I've learned to, you know, open myself up to the Lord. I sense the Lord giving me this idea that there's a demonic spirit messing with him. And I say that, and I need to say, I don't usually assume what someone has is demonic. I actually don't assume that. I usually assume it's natural. I don't look for demons behind doors. I think there's a lot of unhealth sometimes and trying to find, again, I don't care what the devil's doing. If God wants to show me a demon, that's up to God. I'd rather see angels. I'd rather see Jesus, whatever. Um, but the only reason he gave this to me is he wanted me to address something specifically. He wanted me to deal with the root. And so I'm like, I've never thought this before in my life. Oh, well, let's just ask Courtney. So I go over and like, we, we ended. I'm like, hey, Courtney, I explain. Can I pray now? And she's like, okay. And then I get, Gina Ray was there too. And um, Gina, Courtney, and I, Close my eyes. And when you don't know what to do, you just think, what did Jesus do, okay? So I'm thinking, Jesus, how did, oh, you just told demons to leave. Something to the effect of, in the name of Jesus, demonic spirit, go. And I was about to go into some more prayer, because I like to pray as I'm listening and pray what I feel I'm listening. And then once I said that, I felt a check to say, and it was like the Lord saying, you're done. Stop. Now, it wasn't corrective, but it was like, that's all you need to do. Don't pray anymore. Don't ask for anything else. Just, you did it. So I said that, and then I'm like, amen. Short prayers are great. I'm totally, okay, I'll be honest. You probably could catch this, but I'm not totally used to doing short prayers. Um, <laughs> I'm a preacher. What can I say? Um, so, and because I felt the Lord prompt me, I was pretty convinced God was going to do this. I, you know, to a certain degree, I was pretty convinced. What's happened before through the roof? I'll be full of faith that night, and then the next morning I'll start questioning everything. So the next day, I actually, I'm somewhere else. I'm at a wedding, actually. I see a call from Courtney, or before the wedding started, so I was able to take it. I see a call from Courtney, and I'm starting to like, what happened? Like, I'm like, oh, man. And then I pick up the phone, she's like, Kurt, um, you remember you said that thing about you felt like, and it sounded so weird in my mind when she said it. She's like, you know, you felt you had a demon or was being afflicted by a demon. And I'm thinking, oh, God, what happened? Why did I say that? It was so stupid. Jesus, well, you know. I, and she's like, well, he's better now. 
You see, my faith was strong until, like, circumstances in my mind looked like they were changing. Was I confident that God would do it? Yeah, but I let circumstances, I was going to let her opinion of what she said affect me. But what is Jesus promising in Mark 9? He's saying, Kurt, I was so cool. I, I wasn't even looking all the time what was going on, and it worked. You don't, you can be calm. Actually, that's, you know, just here's a quick FYI. Faith a lot of times looks like rest. Generally, most of the time it looks like rest. I mean, you can be full of joy, by the way. Um, but faith looks like rest. It's, it's just, this is easy for you. And God never asks you to do something supernatural. He only asks you to do natural things. Can you touch something? I won't tell you to do it now, but I could be like, touch something right now, guys. Yes, you can. Can you say something? Yes, you can. That's all God asks you to do. Now, if the Lord says, I want you to pray a certain way, if God says something in particular, fine. But generally, the Lord only asks you to do natural things. He does the supernatural thing. He, he tells you to do what's easy for you, so you can do, let him do what's easy for him. You do the easy part, Kurt, and I'll do the easy part. And when you believe that my part's easy, you'll believe your part's easy. But a lot of times we come to sickness, we come to healing, we come to whatever. And, oh, all right, I gotta, guys, and I understand. I haven't always had great faith, believed, whatever, <laughs> a couple weeks ago. I preached the message and someone came up afterwards for healing and for a thought for a second, like, what if it doesn't, I'm like, what am I talking about? I believe this, let's go for it. So I'm not saying I don't, you know, tell those thoughts to leave. But God can make you confident. Why? Because he's able. Because it's easy for him. Why, how, how do we know is, okay. I wasn't going to share a story, but I feel like the Lord wants me to. I was, um, I was in the library. I don't know if you know, I work in the library in Laverne. And I'm not going to say it's been comfortable for me to pray for strangers at the place I work, but the Lord is building my faith for it. And sometimes I still question God, and sometimes I don't always do what he says, and I'm telling you that. I'm just being real. But I, I want to be open to Jesus' move because it would be a tragedy if we had all this goodness in church, but no one outside got to experience it. And so I'm like, God, I'm believing you for in church, so do something in me so I can take this somewhere else. And I wasn't even thinking about that probably. Actually, to be quite honest, this lady walks in, and I actually was a little annoyed because of her persistence. She was harping on getting on the computer, and Lord forgive me. And, <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. She said something. She couldn't do something because her neck couldn't turn well because she felt pain in there. And then she said, oh, there's a computer. And she went over. And right when she said that, right when she walked over the computer, I felt like the Lord's like, you need to pray for her. <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh, God. I've done it before. I've seen stuff happen. But again, um, I won't tell you the whole backstory because I, there, I actually had to build my faith in that moment that the Lord would use me. Um, to be honest, I built my faith on the love of the Lord. <laughs> but... Um, not to give you the whole backstory, but just eventually tell you that God got me to the point where I was like, okay, God, I'm just, my shift's over. Like she was in like 30 minutes before I was off. My shift's over. I'm going to walk out and I'm either going to do this or I'm not. So I walk out. I see her. She's on the computer. There's people. 
And I'll, I'll admit it, I hate it when there's other people around. <laughs> okay, I admit it. They sh- I should be happy that more people are here, but sometimes I really hate it. But uh, she's right there between two people on this side, one person on this side. I just walk up to her and I'm like, ma'am, can I pray for you? Um, you said you had a neck thing, and I've gotten interesting responses before, but I was surprised because she was like, oh, sure. And she, she was wearing some, like, shawl or something. She even pulled it down a little bit so I could put my hand on her neck. I'm like, when people get for me praying for them, I don't even know them. That, like, <laughs> God's doing something. So, um, Lord, uh, I don't know if I, pr- I, I probably said, you know, pain be gone right now in the name of Jesus. I probably just commanded it to be gone as I remember it. And then I was like, so how are you feeling? feels better. Really? Yeah, it feels better. Well, I've discovered that when I find out God's doing something, but it's not done, I'll keep going for it. Unless he wants me to stop. But I was like, well, let's pray again. Pain, be gone right now in the name of Jesus. It's all gone. I feel good. Nobody's just... I was really surprised. And she's like, I'm good. And then she started asking me about ch- church or something because I wasn't trying to tell her about church either, but she started asking about it. I didn't feel like the Lord wanted me to tell her. Um, I know that sounds weird, but you didn't really want me to give her, I mean, I gave her like some contact info, but I, didn't, I felt that what I did was enough. And it really was, I think, a one-time deal. I wasn't supposed to, this wasn't a follow-up. I wasn't supposed to follow up with this. Um, but she said she was totally better. Guys, the whole point of that story, it was effortless. It was a little bit of my faith I had to get there, but when I got there, it was effortless. Be gone. Pain, go. I'm going to end with a story. Because God, God wants you to have an encounter so you can be an encounter. That's a quote from Bill Johnson. God wants you to have an encounter so you can be an encounter. Meaning, God wants you to have, you experience him so that your faith is so built that you say, now I have something that I've been freely given so I can freely give it away. Um, before I go into this story, Jesus in Luke, I'll just quickly reference this, Luke 4, 38 through 39. Jesus, you find out anytime people come up to him, night or day, day or night, he goes into Simon Peter's house, that reference I just mentioned. He goes into Simon Peter's house. His mother-in-law is ill. They're like, Jesus, she's ill. Can you heal her? And it's like, you pray for her. The fever went. He rebuked. No, it says actually he rebuked the fever, and she got better. Totally better. Everywhere he went, whoever came to him, he healed them. Note that. Everyone who came to Jesus, he was healed. Okay, my final story. My final story. Um... There's a guy I love reading about. His name is John G. Lake. And he was a healing evangelist from early 20th century. And he was born into a home where there was just a lot of sickness. He grew up in a big family, but a lot of his family members died young. A lot of his siblings died young. He grew up in a family that was very, um, you know, you ever just run into those people? You're like, man, why, why does all the bad stuff seem to happen to you? And it was one of those families that it just... And it was always disease. It was always something wrong with their, their bodies. And he found a, he later was introduced to a guy who had a ministry in Chicago. Um, 
And in this ministry had a healing home. And so he heard about it and went, and God miraculously healed his body. Got excited. He'd bring some of his family members down, a few at a time, one at a time, and they would start getting healed, radically healed by the Lord. One time his sister wanted to go, but she was so sick, they weren't even sure she was going to be able to get out of bed. And he telegraphs the guy, and he's like, listen, my sister, she's, she's getting bad. What do you, we, need, we need help. And the guy telegraphs back, I'll pray. She'll get better. And she got better. His whole family gets healed. He's seen the healing of God. But sadly, it started hitting home in a way that was almost too much to bear for him. His wife, who he loved, his dear wife, got sick and for two years was struggling, um, I believe it was tuberculosis and like heart issues. And she was barely able to function. She would faint at times. And so they were giving her like stimulants and stuff. And the medicine itself was making her almost like an invalid. She could barely move. And she was just stuck in bed. And there came a point when the doctor said, again, other people, the doctor said, make it. You're not going to make it. You know, get ready, get ready to die. One of his pastor friends tell him, you should resign yourself to the will of God. She's going to die. Everybody's saying, this isn't going to work. I mean, he's seen healing before. He's like, what's going on? He's frustrated one day. He walks in his living room. He chucks his Bible at the fireplace. I don't recommend that. But checks his Bible at the fireplace. It falls like right. It doesn't fall in the, I don't think it was fire. It just falls in front. He goes to pick it down. Goes down to pick it up. You're almost done, Kurt. Come on. Make it to the end. Spreken's English. Um, he goes down to pick, pick up the Bible. And he reads a verse that jumps out at him. He reads this. He reads, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And that phrasing, oppressed by the devil, jumped out. He realized, God wasn't afflicting my wife. God wasn't trying to steal the mother of my kids. This is because we live in a world that's fallen. And he, he felt like this is from the devil. This is this is evil. And the Lord so stirred him. He, there was another verse he read, but the Lord so stirred him with this that only by the Holy Spirit, this bold, he walks out of the room and says to everyone who's there and everyone who wasn't there, seen or unseen, he's like, she'll be healed tomorrow at 9.30. She'll be healed tomorrow at 9.30. Tomorrow comes around and he's by her bed and at 9.30 he's crying out to God. And the power of God hits her. And all of a sudden, all the paralysis leaves her body. Her heart goes back to normal. All the sickness is gone immediately. And she kind of whimpers something at first. And then says, praise the Lord. And he's like, he hasn't heard her voice that strong in two years. And she's out up and down doing stuff. And he's excited. The event becomes national news. And people start visiting their house. And people come who start getting sick, or who are sick, getting sick. People come who are sick, and they're like, well, we can pray for you too. And that started a whole ministry where he saw throughout his lifetime thousands and thousands of people get healed. Because he started becoming convinced God can and God will. I mean, he, he was even so bold one time. He, he told doctors, he, he's like, now it wasn't something that would make him sick, but he, he, he told them, put a germ in my hand under a microscope 
and the power of God will kill that thing. Like he had scientists run tests, like he would pray for people, they'd start getting healed, and scientists would like run tests and like, there's something going on. Like this is wild. So what am I telling you right now? If it's easy for God, it's easy for you. Because what does Acts 10.38 say? Because God was with him. If you're a believer, God is with you. If you're a Christ follower, God is with you. I'm telling you, he can. I'm telling you, he will. Um, and I'm telling you, he's going to do it this morning. So we're going to end, and um, Clint's going to close 